Uh, if you've got your Bibles, we're going to Matthew chapter 8 tonight. I appreciate you being here. I love church. I love God's Word. And I'm glad for a church like ours who stands on the truth. Praise the Lord in the world where you don't always know what's truth, what's right, what's wrong. Uh, we do. We've got God's Word to, to stand upon. And so I love that. Tonight we're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 8. Uh, Pastor Justin uh, basically gave me uh, free reign to just uh, preach what I feel like the Lord's leading me uh, to preach. And so that's what we're going to do tonight. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 8. Uh, let's have a quick word of prayer. I'm not going to tell you the title. Because if I tell you the title, it'll give it away. But as we're looking at Matthew chapter 8 tonight, uh, I, I want to see if you can catch something that's happening in Matthew chapter 8. It's a great passage. Let's have a quick word of prayer. And we'll get into it. Dearly Father, we love you. God in heaven, I'm your humble servant. Lord, I ask tonight that as I preach your word, Lord, I would do it accurately. Lord, I'd stay in context. Lord, I'd preach it the right way. Lord, I ask that you would use it tonight. I believe it's a simple truth tonight, but a truth that can help every single Christian, no matter what age, no matter how long they've been saved. I believe it's applicable. And so, Lord, tonight, as we look at your word here, Matthew chapter 8, for just a few minutes, I ask that you'd be with our service and that you'd bless us tonight in your precious name. Amen. As we get here to Matthew chapter 8, a little context of what's happening. Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7, uh, you have what's commonly called the Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus pulled his disciples up on top of that mountain, and he taught them. And of course, when he taught them, if you read chapters 5, 6, and 7, really, he was rocking their world. He was taking everything that they knew, everything that they grew up and believed and were taught, and many times taking what they were taught and reteaching, re-explaining, because so much of their, their Jewish culture had, had messed up the truth um, in, of God's Word. And so Jesus has been teaching them, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And here in chapter 8, they've just come down the mountain. And when they come down, Matthew chapter 8, talk about action-packed, straight into ministry they go. Right into ministries, helping Jesus, watching Jesus, serving right along Jesus. And we come right away in chapter 8 to two extremely exciting miracles. And I want you to look at these two miracles with me tonight. And I'm going to need you to focus because we're going to talk about these miracles. And then we're going to make a connection. We'll see if you can make the connection as before, we even, before I even get there. That would be awesome. We'll see if you can do that tonight. If you're there, Matthew chapter 8. Verse number one, the Bible says, when he was come down from the mountain, great multitudes followed him. By the way, wouldn't you? Wouldn't you? I followed him and haven't seen him. Let alone, had I been there, I'd have loved to have been there with them seeing Jesus following around. Wouldn't that be awesome? We, I can't stop there. That's a good thought, though. That's really good. Number two. Look at verse two. Watch this now. They come down. Verse number two. And behold, there came a leper. And worship, saying, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. Now, of course, we know there's, there's other uh, leper healing stories in the New Testament. There's some of the Old Testament. But I want you to watch the wording. This is very interesting tonight. And I think in verse number two, uh, in a nutshell, you and me get to see how to request something from, from Jesus, how to ask something from Jesus. Would you rewind in verse 2? I want you to break this. I'm going to break this verse down for you. And the Bible says, and behold, there came. There came a leper. See, I, I noticed this. The leper had to come to Jesus to get the help that he needed. See, if we need help in our lives, 
We have to go to Jesus Christ. Uh, this past Wednesday night, I was talking to our young people upstairs in our teen Bible study, and I reminded the young people from a different passage how that many times in our life, God, God waits for us to ask for help before he steps in to help us. By the way, he can, praise the Lord, I believe God does sometimes step in without us ever asking for help. I, I believe he does that. Uh, I would also say this, I believe that when he does that, most of the time you didn't even know. You didn't know what was coming. You didn't know the spiritual warfare around you. And yet God graciously decided to step in and handle a situation before you ever even needed to ask help. He took care of it. Praise the Lord for that. But I think that's in the minority. I think many times in our lives, God wants you and me to go to him for help. He wants us to go to him for help. Uh, of course, I think the simple answer, why does he do that? By the way, he does know what's coming. He does know what he needs. Brother Cedar, why does he not just always step in? And I think it's for the simple reason that he wants me and you to know when he helps us. He wants us to know that. And what better way to know that when you found yourself on your hands and knees praying and saying, God, I need help with this. And then all of a sudden you saw the answer to prayer right there in front of you. See, a lot of times God waits for us to call for help because he wants us to see him step in. He, I can say it this way. He wants to reveal himself to us. He wants to show himself real in our lives. And so that's what's happening here. The leper, he's come to Jesus seeking help. Look at the next part of the verse. And the Bible says, and worshiped him saying, Lord, Lord, that word Lord or master. I notice here that already this leper believes who he is. He believes that this is not just some regular guy. This is not just Joe Smo from down the street. This is the Messiah, the Savior. He is my Lord and Master. He, he comes to him acknowledging who Jesus is. I love that. Then watch what he says next. He says, if thou wilt. If thou wilt. See, in the leper's mind, he wants to be healed. We don't blame him. We know what leprosy is, that disease. We, we get how, why he needs help. We get why he asks help. Uh, but here he says, you know what? I want to be healed, but there's this, this asterisk. It needs to be your will. I find that very interesting from this guy. We don't know a lot about him, but he seems concerned with God's will. And he asks... Uh, for his will to be done. Isaiah 55, verse number 8. I believe the guys, you got that one up there quick? There we go. The Bible says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. Verse 9, for as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. See, in our prayer life, we must be careful to ask what we want over top of what God wants. Now listen, God does give us the freedom of prayer. We can come to, praise the Lord, we can come to any, any time, anywhere, any place, and ask for help, and ask for, for, for our needs, but yet we often should throw in this, Lord, here's what I want, here's what I need help with, but trumping that, God, whatever you want for me, that's what I want. Because his ways are higher. He, he knows what's coming Sometimes better than we do. We think we do. 
but he actually knows. And so here he is asking for, he says, if thou wilt, that's interesting wording. And then watch this, watch this. Are you also with me? This is interesting. And it's going to get more interesting in a second, I think, I hope, I'm praying. It says, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. Uh, That's a a little word I like to call faith. Faith. If you will it, it's going to happen. It will happen. He right here, out of the gate, believes that when he asks Jesus, I believe that you can heal me. It is a massive statement of faith. Now, here's why this is so interesting. Because right here in verse number two, it's a mini model prayer. Now, some of you are thinking, didn't Jesus give a model prayer? Yeah, he did. Would you go back two pages probably in your Bible? Two pages? Matthew chapter six. Matthew chapter six. He was just on a mountain. He was just with the disciples. And he told them, when you pray, here's what a prayer, a model prayer would be. Look at Matthew six, verse number nine. The Bible says, after this manner, therefore pray ye, our Father, which art in heaven. Hmm. Going to Jesus? Going to God? Acknowledging, are you with me here? Acknowledging that he is God? Keep reading, verse 10, thy kingdom come. Hmm. Thy will be done. Asking for his will to be done. Here's what's interesting. They just come off the mountain. Jesus just taught them in Matthew chapter 6. Here's what a model prayer should look like. And the first person they meet, the first character we meet when they come off the mountain is a leper. We don't even know his name. But as he approaches Jesus, as he approaches Jesus in verse number 2, the, the conversation he has with Jesus almost is identical to the model prayer that Jesus taught the disciples. And I wonder if the disciples went, hmm, it's like we just learned about this. Interesting. Let's keep going. Because it gets, we got we to see Jesus' response though, verse number three. The Bible says that Jesus put forth his hand and he touched him. By the way, that's a common phrase in the New Testament where you'll see Jesus touching someone and they're healed, whether it was a blind person, whether it was a leper. The touch of God, we often talk amongst as Christians, right? The touch of God, and what a powerful touch that is. By the way, touch is one of the most powerful senses that we have. Um, I know there's times in my life where I've had maybe a rough day, and and I get home, and and just a hug for my wife. It's magic, man. It's magic. By the way, my hugs are magic too, because there's sometimes I've come home. My wife never asks me for a hug. I just give one when I see the bright. Come on, fellas, right? And all of a sudden, man, it's like, my wife gives me a hug after a rough day. It's like, man, bring on 10 more of those rough days. Let's go. Not a problem. Makes you feel better. Sometimes just a simple arm around a shoulder. I've been there where my dad put his arm around my shoulder. That, that meant, made me feel good. Made me feel okay. That, that touch. And here Jesus reaches out and touches this leper. By the way, don't forget, he's a what? A leper. Uh, that's a no-no. You don't touch a leper. Now, I don't know where Peter is. Normally, this is where Peter would step in. He didn't do it here. Praise the Lord. You, you just want to watch Peter just run in there and say, no, 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 no. He doesn't. Yet Jesus reaches out and touches him. I wrote this down. Jesus isn't scared of our infirmities. He's not scared. 
See, sometimes as Christians, we feel, you know, man, I, Jesus knows what I did. Of course he knows what you, you've done. He knows every thought. He knows every intent. He knows every action. He knows the outward sin, the inward sin, the secret sin, the not secret sin. He knows it all. And can I tell you, he's not scared of your infirmities. And he's willing to always have that touch ready to heal you. He wasn't scared. It's unbelievable to me. By the way, can I tell you what we need in our lives today? A touch of God. touch of God. Whether it's for healing of sin. Leprosy, of course, is a picture of sin. Whether it's a touch of power. I don't know about you. I need power in my life. I need God's power to attack my day. I need God's power to raise a family. I need God's power to have a godly marriage. I need God's power to do a better job at, a better, better job at my job. We need that touch of God in our lives. By the way, how'd he get it? He asked. He asked for help. And God said, I'll help you. Look what he says next. Look at, look at, look at. He says, saying, I will. That's an interesting word, isn't it? Because remember, he, he just asked in verse 2, if thou wilt. And now Jesus responds what his will is. And his will is that he will be healed. And he says, I will be thou clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. Aren't you glad that when God says something, he always comes through for it? When God decides he's going to do something, he always does it. And Jesus says, I will heal you. And immediately he is healed. I love that. What an interesting story. That was only two verses, but powerful. Now you ready to see the second story? Because this one's maybe even more interesting. Everybody still awake tonight? Are we, are we all right? Okay. Slap, slap somebody around you if you need to. Okay. Gently, gently. Just enough to wake them up. Okay. Here we go. Look at the next verse. The verse number four. And Jesus saith unto him, See thou tell no man, but go thy way, show thyself to the priest, and offer the gift that Moses commanded for a testimony unto them. Here's the second miracle. Are you ready? And when Jesus was entered into Capernaum, there came unto him a centurion, beseeching him, and saying, Lord, my servant lieth at home, sick of the palsy, grievously tormented. And Jesus saith unto him, I will come and heal him. Here's the centurion. We don't know his name. Of course, the centurion was, a, was in charge of at least, 100 sol- at least 100 soldiers. They had a position of power, prestige. They were somebody. He comes to Jesus on the behalf of a servant. Sounds like a pretty great boss to have. We don't know a lot about him, but he seems like a, a pretty sharp guy. And he comes to Jesus and he asks for his servant to be healed. Did you catch Jesus' words here? He says, I will come and heal him. Of course, you know the centurion's response, don't you? Verse number eight. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that thou shouldest come under my roof, but speak the word only and my servant shall be healed. Verse eight, you see the humility of the centurion. No doubt this man had a beautiful home. It wasn't about his house. It's not why he didn't want Jesus there. No doubt he would have had one of the best houses around. But it was his heart. It wasn't that he didn't want Jesus in his home. He recognized the sinlessness of Jesus versus who he was. Of course, Roman soldiers were known as being good people. Right? He knew who he was. No doubt in his mind he knew what he had done. 
And in that moment, he, he says, Jesus, I don't want you to come to my house. I just believe you can heal him even here. Look what he says next. He says, for I'm a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I, by the way, I can't read this verse ever without thinking of Brother Chris. I think you had a program once. And Brother Chris, he had this verse memorized, right? You were, wasn't that you? I see your face every time I read this verse now for the rest of my life. Thank you for that. Okay. Praise the Lord. Okay. Because he quoted this. Anyway, and I say to this man, go, and he goeth, and to another, come, and he cometh. And to my servant, do this, and he doeth it. Wow. What faith, huh? What faith. This centurion, non-Jewish man, comes to Jesus, asks the servant to be healed. Jesus said, I will go and heal them. And he said, no, 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 you, you don't even need to come. I believe you can do it right here, right now. Uh, and, and he does. Verse 10, when Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to them that followed, Verily I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. Of course, he's not a Jewish man. By the way, verse number 11, I love verse 11. And I say unto you that many shall come from the east and west and shall sit down with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the children of the kingdom, he's talking about the Jews, shall be cast out in outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. This was a prophecy from Jesus that not only would the Jews be saved, but also Gentiles would be saved. By the way, you know our church pictures that? Because we are in the United States of America. I'm pretty sure we're pretty far west from the Middle East, correct? Yet saved, born again, believers in Jesus. By the way, we have some Korean students here. I'd say they're far from the east of the Middle East. Our church represents what's happening, what Jesus said would happen, that people all around the world would trust Jesus Christ. Isn't that awesome? The kingdom of heaven. Amen. I know. Are you all with me still? Okay. This is good. This is good. I, I want you to understand here, he, he mentioned the same phrase. Did you catch it? I will. Here comes the leper. He says, I will heal you. And then, almost exactly the same wording with the centurion. He says, I will. I will. See, when Jesus says something, he does it. He comes through. Now, some of you are going, okay. I know Cameron's wheels are turning. Where are we going? It's getting good, Brother Cameron. Let's continue on. Am I all right on time? Ah, decent, decent. Look at verse number 14. Okay, so he, he, he heals the centurion's servant. I skipped verse 13. I'm sorry. You can rewind if you want. Verse 14. And when Jesus was coming to Peter's house, he saw his wife's mother laid and sick of a fever, and he touched, there's that touch again, and he touched her hand, and the fever left her, and she arose and ministered unto them. Now, no conversation is mentioned here, but it sure does seem like Jesus, when he saw her, determined that what would he do? I will heal her. He's not asked to, but it's almost like in his heart, everybody's still with me here. I'm going to heal this lady, and guess what? She's healed. Y'all, are we good? It's just getting warmed up. I'm just getting warmed up. Verse 15. 16. And when even was come, they brought unto him many that were possessed with devils. And he cast out the spirits with his word and healed all that were sick. Once again, we, we don't have any really conversation, but these people come to him. And it sure does seem like that Jesus in his heart has determined that I'm going to heal them. I'm going to help them. And he does it. He does it. Verse number 17. 
Oh, I'm getting excited. That it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. Now, when Jesus saw great multitudes about him, he gave commandment to depart unto the other side. Now, watch this. Jesus, when he says he's going to do something, I think we've seen it. He comes through, doesn't he? He says, I will do it. Guess what? He does it. But what about us? What about me and you? See, Jesus is totally reliable. He doesn't change, as they sang earlier. By the way, because he doesn't change, we can trust him. But now we're going to see us. This is what I don't like. Are you ready? Verse 19. The Bible says, And a certain scribe came unto him and said, Master, what's those next two words? I will. Here comes a religious man. He comes to Jesus, and the same wording we just saw Jesus use, this mortal human being, this religious person, he used the same phrase, I will, I will. Look what he says, I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. Hmm. He's he's promising to do something, isn't he? He's telling you he's going to do this. Verse 20, and Jesus saith unto him, the foxes have holes and the birds of the air have nests, but the son of man hath not where to lay his head. And that's where the conversation ends with this man. Does he follow through on his I will? No. In fact, we don't see him again. See, when Jesus reveals what's going to happen... We don't know if the dude ran away. We don't know if he just kind of sunk back and said, "Ah, I shouldn't have said that. We don't know what exactly happens. But he says, I'm going to do this, Jesus. And I will follow you whithersoever you go. And does he do it? No. No. By the way, he's not the only one. Isn't Peter famous for that? I will never deny you. Jesus said, you will three times by the end of tonight. By the way, I wrote a couple of funny illustrations. Now, we've got to get a little... It'll get too serious right there, y'all. Everybody okay? It's not... It's, it's quite often that people make statements that they're going to do something. In fact, I, I, I was trying to Google some illustrations, some examples of this, and it was really interesting. Like, you look up Google search, and when you Google search something, um, you know, the, the most frequently asked questions on that topic come up. People want to know what it's called when you don't come through on what you say. You know, that's kind of an interesting, you know, what is it called when you don't do this? When you say you're going to do something, don't follow through. Anyway, I don't know. They don't really have a name for that. You can call it lying and call it what you want. But that's what's happening. Uh, it was in 1969, three days before the Super Bowl, that Joe Namath, quarterback for the New York Jets. Any New York Jets fans in here? Buffalo Bills. Sorry, Brother Mucci. Different team. Heckled by loudmouth Colts fans. Baltimore Colts, Baltimore Colts, okay, not, it's 1969, okay. Loudmouth Colts fans, Joe Namath guaranteed the Jets would win the Super Bowl by saying this exact quote, we're going to win the game, I guarantee it. Of course, that year the Colts were 13-1, and they had just won their playoff game 34-0. to Yet... Just like Namath said, the Jets won the Super Bowl 16-7, to making it one of the greatest Super Bowl upsets of all time. He said he would do it, and guess what? He did it. 1994, any hockey fans out there? Hockey fans? Three and a half people. 
Paul, you were the half. I saw your hand. It was like halfway up. In 1994, Marc Messier. By the way, it's, it looks like Messier, but I know it's, I, he's French, okay? It's Messier, all right? Captain of the New York Rangers hockey team was in the semifinal series of the playoffs against the New Jersey Devils. The Rangers were down 3-2 in their best-of-seven game series when he said this statement, We will win tonight. In fact, his quote was then plastered on the front page of the New York Times. That night, not only did the Rangers win the game 4-2, but Messier scored a hat trick, and they ended up winning Game 7 as well, went on to win the Stanley Cup, and became NHL champions for the first time in Rangers history since 1940. He said he would do it, and he did it. Don't you love that? But can I say you tell you that that's the minority? For every one example I could give of someone saying they were going to do something, how many times could we say that they didn't come through? How about you? Where you said you would do something, and you didn't do it. Whether it's parents with your children. Whether it's husbands with your wives. Whether it's a thing at your job. Where you said, hey, I'll take care of that. I'll get that done. I will accept that challenge. I will make sure this happens. And yet you don't follow through. Can I tell you tonight, here's the message, the title. You've probably guessed it. It's I will. I will. And when me and you give our word to something... To be more Christ-like would to follow through, would be to follow through on what me and you said we're going to do. Very quickly tonight, time's going, i got about six minutes. I've got three thoughts, they're all very short. Everybody still alive? Can I give three thoughts about this? Number one, what lessons can we learn? Know what you're agreeing to. Know what you're agreeing to. This man, he, he just steps up and he says... Jesus, I will follow you whithersoever you go. And Jesus, he knows his heart. He knows his thoughts. And Jesus reveals to him, hey, you want to follow me? You want to follow me? Just understand what you're signing up for. Before you agree to do something, you better know what it is you're agreeing to do. Anybody been ever ever caught in a trap like that before you said yes to something? Before you knew everything it would be? Come on, put your hands up. Don't you lie to me out there. We've all been there. For Brother TJ, it's hiking. Listen, I've learned my lesson. When my wife comes to me, hey, let's do a hike. I, 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 I've done it. Oh, let's do it. Three miles in, you're going, what am I doing? When you see that incline, you're like, we're going up that? No. Right? You better know what you're agreeing to before you sit there. Say, I will do that. I will. You better know what you're getting in, in, into. You have to make that before you give your word. Before you say, I'll do it. Number two, that was quick, right? That was only one minute. Everybody survived point one? It's beautiful. Number two, don't make excuses. Are you ready to see the next guy? Because right after this conversation, another guy steps in. Look at verse 21. The Bible says, And another of his disciples said unto him, Lord... Suffer suffer me first to go and bury my father. Now, he doesn't use I will, but it's almost apparent that he's thinking exactly what the other guy was thinking, right? I will follow you, but before I do... Now, he doesn't say that. We we can kind of put it together what he's thinking here. He says, I I need to go do this first. And by the way, did you catch his excuse? 
Bury my father. How many sound like that's a... Now, we're not for excuse making, Brother TJ. But that's a valid one. Raise your hand. Well, I'd think so too. Until I read the next verse. Verse 22. But Jesus then has said unto him, follow me and let the dead bury their dead. Because you read the verse, you think, well, I think that's valid. And Jesus said, nope. By the way, I think you say, why? I think he knew his heart. He's already making excuses. By the way, you, how many think Jesus pretty, he sounds pretty strong on that, right? Raise your hand. How many think he's pretty strong on that? Now, let me read you a few quotes of people in history. George Washington said this. It is better to offer no excuse than a bad one. Benjamin Franklin, he said, he that is good for making excuses is seldom good for anything else. Ouch. George Washington Carver said this, 99% of the failures come from people who have the habit of making excuses. I think we can all agree those are pretty strong quotes too. From people who accomplished a whole lot in life. Can I tell you tonight, when you say you're going to do something, throw your excuses out the window and do it. Do it. Follow through. You said you'd do it. You gave your word. You need to come through for it. Last, number three. That one took two minutes. Okay, I apologize. Two minutes. I still have two minutes left. Number three. I, want, I, I noticed this lesson, and, I, and if you get nothing else, I hope you'll get this tonight. This decision by this man in verse number 19 was truly a decision to follow through on. If there was ever a decision in life that when you said, I will do this, wouldn't this be one? I will follow you. If you made that decision, if you made that decision, by the way, uh, can I tell you, if you've made that decision, did you make it today? Going to make it tomorrow? Going to make it the rest of the week? Because see, every day is different. And if you're not kidding, well, I've been saved a long time. Praise the Lord, so have I. I'm over 25 years of salvation, amen. And I'm not an older person. I'm, I feel like I'm young. I've been saved a long time. And yet every single day I have to make a decision. Hey, today I will continue to follow Jesus. Tomorrow, I hope and pray that I will continue tomorrow to follow Jesus. What an amazing decision this guy said he would do. I will follow you. And then he says, wherever, wherever. By the way, that's a harder part, isn't it? It's one thing to follow Jesus. It's another to follow him, not knowing where you're going. You know why? It takes a whole lot of faith. Do you trust him? Do you trust him? Do you have enough faith that he'll, he'll, he'll take you where he, where you need to be, where he wants you to be? But here this man, he's, what a decision. What a decision. If there was ever a decision, I will to follow up on, to follow up on that. And yet, he says he's going to do something. And when times get tough and Jesus reveals to him, here's what's actually going to happen. He immediately backtracks on what he said he would do. Can I ask you tonight, Christian, are you following through on what you're telling people you're going to do? And if you're not, can I ask you to step it up in that area? Because... To do what you say you're going to do is, like, is more like Christ. And I don't know about you tonight. This sermon hurt me as I prepared it. 
But I'm telling you today, I want to be more like Christ. Tomorrow, I want to be more like Christ. And if that means when I give my word, I've got to come through on that. I'm going to make sure I do that. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? We're going to have a quick invitation tonight. I'm going to ask Pastor Justin to come up. He's going to lead us in the invitation. As he comes with heads about eyes closed, I wonder if there's someone tonight. See, Brother T.D., something in the message. And boy, I was kind of everywhere for a little bit there. But today, somewhere in the message, somewhere in the message, God spoke to my heart about something. It was an area I need to step up in. Maybe it was some area I need to get right. Maybe it was something that I need to do better at. Brother TJ, would you tonight pray for me? God is speaking to my heart right now. Would you slip your hand up? I'll pray for you in just a minute. Actually, Pastor Justin will. Would you slip your hand up? I see those hands. I see those hands. If you're here tonight, you slipped up your hand in just a second. We're going to have an invitation. Now listen, you can make decisions at your seat. There's nothing wrong with that. But the reason we have an invitation is for you to step out of a pew and come to the front. Because in doing so, you're putting feet and action to a decision that you made in your heart. And so tonight, if God's working on your heart, maybe you'd step out of your pew, come to the front. No one's going to embarrass you. No one's even looking. Everyone will stand and they'll, they'll have their heads bowed. But if God's working on you, would you come to the front? And would you do business with the Lord tonight? As the piano plays, would you stand to your feet tonight? Heads bowed, eyes closed. If you need to do business with God, the altar's open. Come on down. Maybe it's been a while since you came to an old-fashioned altar. It's an old-fashioned church. Do business with the Lord. If you're at your seat, would you bow your head? Would you pray for those that have come? If you need to make a spiritual decision tonight, would you make it in your pew if you're not come? Connect with God tonight. Don't just show up to church. There's no time card here. Do business with God. Thank you, Brother TJ. And, uh, you know, oftentimes throughout life, we'll make decisions for Christ, will we not? And the Lord prompts us maybe in our devotion time or maybe in a preaching service or maybe some other time. And, and it's good to go th- follow through on what we say we do. And thank you, Brother TJ, for that message. I know that was a huge help to me. And let, let's, let's do it. Let's do something big for God. And what a blessing. It's been a good night, has it not? And uh, what a great service. Thank you, Kim family, for singing for us and giving us an update. Uh, thank you, Brother TJ. I know I could tell. Uh, could, could you sense that he's been, he's, that's been simmering in him for a while? And he was ready to, to present that, what a blessing that was. I am glad I didn't go to Mackinac Island or wherever you went. Uh, we, 
I think I don't think I got bit once last week, so I'm praying for you up there. But let's uh, let's be seated. We have a video we're going to share, and then um, we'll have a quick minute. Let's see here. After the video, Brother Munster, could you come up after the video and pray for the missions trip, and then we'll be dismissed. Grandview Men's Summer Softball is back this summer and sign-ups are underway starting today. This is a tremendous opportunity to build a relationship with other men in the church as well as an opportunity for outreach. The cost will be $40 and will include a team jersey, hat, and several weeks of games. Stop by the welcome desk in the lobby to find more information and sign up today. Our men's advance will be June 23rd and 24th. Join us for preaching by Pastor Stuart Mason and Pastor Jason Murphy, as well as food, fellowship, and games. If you would like to attend this special event, the cost is $25 and your payment can be made online or at the welcome desk following the service. Mark your calendars for our other upcoming events this summer. Vacation Bible School will be held July 10th through the 12th from 6 to 8.30 p.m. and is for children K-4 through 6th grade. If you would like to sign up and help at this event, there's a sign-up sheet available at the Welcome Desk. Kids Summer Blast will be held Wednesday nights throughout the summer, starting on June 14th. And this is for children 4 years through 5th grade. Children will be participating in various workshops throughout the summer. Also, don't miss our Young Adult Conference with Pastor Kurt Skelly on Friday and Saturday, August 11th and 12th. The cost is $25 and includes meals, fellowship, and preaching. We're excited about Team Camp this summer, coming up July 31st through August 4th. The cost is $250 per camper, and it's for teens going into 7th grade uh, through this year's graduates. We have information booklets on the welcome desk, and if you have any questions, you can see myself or Derek Vestal, and we'd be happy to help you with that. If you know your team is going, please sign up on the sign-up sheet that we'll have on the welcome desk, as well as in the teen room, and we're excited about teen camp. Start praying if you would, that God would do something great amongst the teens of our church. If this is your first or second time here, we want to answer your questions and get to know you. Please fill out the Connect card in the pew in front of you and bring it to guest services as you exit the auditorium. We would love to meet you and you will receive a gift card. Have a great week and we'll see you Wednesday night at 7 p.m. I hope that uh, many of you will be praying for the missions trip. You know, our school and our church uh, together subsidize this for all the teenagers. We try to be a help to them and take some of the load off. Years ago, I heard if you want to change the life of a teenager, send them to a youth conference. If you want 10 times the effect, send them to a youth, conf- a youth camp. And if you want 10 times that effect, send them to the mission field. And so when you have about 45 people going to a missions trip, that's a pretty astounding thing. And let's just pray that God will touch the hearts of many of the teenagers, if not every single one of them. Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Father, we come to you asking that you would touch the lives of those who are going to be a blessing to a church in Anchorage, Alaska. And, Lord, there's people they'll meet there that they've never met before. 
uh, there's children whose lives they can influence, who they can personally lead to a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, they're just vessels. They're not professionals. They haven't been called to something yet. And yet they're going because they're willing to be used of the Lord. They're saying, I will to that call of God to go and try to be a blessing. And Heavenly Father, I pray as a church, we will uphold them in our prayers. We pray that you'll do powerful things, not only for Open Door Baptist Church and Brother Kenny Menendez and his family, his people, his church, but Lord, for every life that goes, let it be life-changing. Let it be something they'll remember all the days of their life that you use them in another state way up in Alaska. And Heavenly Father, we'll praise your name for all that you do. Keep them safe. Uh, Father, I pray everything will go smooth. I pray that your will will be revealed as we get there exactly what to do, when to do it. And let our lives count for Christ, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You are dismissed.